The Franklin Church of Christ welcomes you as we open God's Word and continue our study in prayer. In this lesson, Edwin Crozier will take a look at our families and demonstrate how our families can plug in to the powerful God. The Lord builds the house. They labor in vain who build it. Unless the Lord guards the city, the watchman stays awake in vain. It is vain for you to rise up early, to sit up late, to eat the bread of sorrows, for so He gives His beloved sleep. If you want your family to be able to do great and amazing things for God, He has to be building your family. But here's the key. The Lord will not build your family unless you ask Him. Unless your family is a praying family, the Lord is not building your family. It doesn't matter what else you are doing. You may make all kinds of money. You may live in the nicest house in town. You may drive the nicest cars. Your kids may be going to the most expensive Ivy League schools. They may be on the greatest national champion sports teams. But if your family is not praying, Psalm 127 says, it is all in vain. Your family is one of the greatest tools that God can use in this world. But He can only use it if you let Him build it. And He will only build it if you ask. Today, we want to look at the family who asks. The family that is plugged in to God. We are at war. Satan is attacking our families. And the only way we can win and overcome is if we as families are praying. I want to do something a little bit different this morning. Because of the sermon I'm preparing for next week, I realize, you know, one of the things I need to be doing as we gather here, we're about to look at God's Word. How about we pray for the lesson for us and for God's glory, before we go any further. Would you bow with me? God and Father in heaven, we praise and glorify You. We are gathered here today, not because we are in any way special, but because we know that You are special and You've sent Your Son to die for us, and we are so thankful. Father, we praise and honor You because You have given us what we don't deserve. And we are not gathered here today because we believe we can in any way repay you. We know that we cannot. We are gathered here to honor and thank you. Father, as we look today at your word to understand how we as families ought to pray, we ask that you would be with us, that our hearts would be open to your word, that we will allow it to sink in, that we might be your children, that we might be salt in this earth and a light set on a hill that the world can see drawing others ever near to you, that they can be a part of your family. Please use our families to glorify you. Father, I pray for your forgiveness. I recognize that the things that I've studied in order to prepare for this lesson, that I have not done them in the past, and I confess that to you and ask that you would forgive me and strengthen me and help me to 
be stronger. Forgive each and every person here who has to say the same thing today and help us to lean on one another and to grow closer to one another and to strengthen one another to be your servants. Father, we pray that everything we do here today does not glorify us, but glorifies you. In your Son's name we pray. Amen. We want to begin by taking a look at the husband and the father. If we've got a praying family, the thing that we need to understand is that we're going to have praying husbands and fathers, we're going to have praying wives and mothers, and we're going to have praying children. And I'd like for us to take a look at each of those. As we consider the father in the plugged-in family, we recognize that he is to be the prayer leader. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 22 through 24. Ephesians chapter 5, verses 22 through 24. We men like to read this verse, this passage, to our wives. Ephesians 5, verse 22 says, Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is head of the wife, as also Christ is head of the church, and he is Savior of the body. Therefore, just as the church is subject to Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. Now, men, we like to quote this verse to our wives. We like to quote it to our families. I'm the head. I'm the leader. That means you're here to do what I want. You need to submit. We like that, don't we? But have you taken time to realize what this passage actually says about us? And it does not say that the family is there to serve our every whim and desire. What it says, men, is we are the head. We are the leader. Do you realize what that means is we are the responsible ones. It is our job to make sure that our family is heading in the right direction. And when we stand before God in judgment, we as the leaders will be the ones that will be held responsible for what our families did and did not do. That's what it means. So let me ask you, husbands, fathers, how is your family's prayer life? Don't tell me how your wife won't get on board with you on prayer. Don't tell me about your children's hectic schedules. I want to know, how is your family's prayer life? Men, we are at war. This is not a game. Ephesians chapter 6 beginning at verse 10, points out, Brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against rulers of the darkness of this age, against the spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand. Men, we are at war. And Satan is not just out there attacking Christians in general, brethren. He is attacking us and our families in particular. He is attacking your family, men. And you are the leader of that family. It is your job to put the armor on for your family. It is your job to lead the battle cry, to lead the charge against Satan and his hellish forces. You are the prayer leaders in your family. How is your family's prayer life, men? This is your job. Don't tell me how much money you're making and how much good food your kids get to eat and all the things that you're providing for them that your parents didn't provide for you. I want to know 
are you praying? Because that's your job. It is your job as the leaders to bring your wife on board. To get her heading in the same direction if she's not. Of course, I almost say that with tongue in cheek because we all know that typically it's the wife who's the more spiritually minded anyway. It is your job, men, to make sure your children are being raised up as prayers in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. What are you doing? Ephesians 5, verse 23, demonstrates the husband is the head of the wife, as also Christ is the head of the church. What that demonstrates is as we are trying to look at our own role within our families, we need to look at Christ's role with the church. When it comes to prayer in the family, we need to take a look at Christ. And what was His role as far as prayer goes with the church? Look in Romans chapter 8 and verse 34. Romans chapter 8 and verse 34. In Romans chapter 8 and verse 34, the Scripture tells us that it is Christ who died and furthermore is also risen, who is even at the right hand of God, who also makes intercession for us. Look at Hebrews chapter 7 and verse 25. Hebrews chapter 7 and verse 25. Therefore, He is also able to save to the uttermost those who come to God through Him, since He always lives to make intercession for them. Jesus intercedes for His saints. He intercedes for His church. Men, this is what we need to be doing for our families. We need to be praying for them. Do you pray for your wives, men? Do you thank God for your wives? When you do thank God for your wives, do you thank Him for anything specific? Has your wife ever heard you thank God for her? Do you pray for her? Do you ask on her behalf? If you have, have you ever asked for anything specifically? Has she ever heard you ask and pray on her behalf in prayer? What about your children? Do you ever thank God for your children? Remember Psalm 127 points out that we're blessed when we have children. Not cursed. Do you thank God for them? Is there anything specifically that you ever thank God for them? Have they ever heard you thank God for them? Do you pray on their behalf? If you do what, do you pray? When you do pray for your wife and children, are you really praying for them? Or are you actually praying for yourself? but using their name. Dear Lord, God, I just ask that You be with my wife and help her be more submissive. Please, Lord, stop her from being so emotional and get her off my back about the garage clutter. Who are you really praying for there? James chapter 4 and verse 3. 
James chapter 4 and verse 3. You ask and do not receive because you ask amiss that you may spend it on your pleasures. Selfish prayer is unacceptable, men. Philippians chapter 2. Philippians chapter 2, beginning at verse 3, "...let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem others better than himself. Let each of you look out not only for his own interests, but also for the interests of others." Next time you're praying for your wife, don't pray that she becomes the wife you want her to be. If you're going to pray for her, you need to pray that you'll become the husband to her you're supposed to be. Because that's what she's interested in. That's what she needs. When you pray for your children, pray that you will be the father that they need. Selfish prayer is unacceptable. When we pray to God, men, for our families... We need to realize they are more important than we are. And really pray for them. The second aspect of Jesus' connection with prayer and His church can be seen in Luke chapter 11 and verse 1. In Luke chapter 11 and verse 1, Now it came to pass as He was praying in a certain place, when He ceased, that one of His disciples said to Him, Lord, teach us to pray, as John also taught His disciples. So He said to them, and He taught them. Jesus taught His disciples to pray. And He's left His Word so that we as His church can learn to pray. Men, guess what that means about us and our homes? It is our duty. It is our responsibility. It is our job as prayer leaders in our home to teach our families to pray. Here's one of the things that most amazes me about this. Have you ever noted there in Luke chapter 11 and verse 1 how this teaching experience began? Because the disciples saw Jesus praying, they knew they could learn something from Him about prayer. Let me ask you men, have you ever done anything in your home that would let your family know that they could learn how to pray from you? That's how the disciples started learning how to pray from Jesus. Pray with your families. Have prayer times. Have times that are set aside, that are scheduled for prayer. All your baseball games are scheduled. You know when those are. School is scheduled. Work is scheduled. Why not schedule a prayer time? Turn the phone ringer off while you're doing it. I have to tell you, it never fails. I'm sitting here in my office, and it's time for me to pray. I get good and into the prayer. Do you know what happens? Same thing happens to you. The phone rings. Anybody else ever had that happen? Y'all hadn't been praying enough if that had never happened to you. I mean, it's something about getting something about getting on your knees to pray, and Satan wants to stop it, and he doesn't care what it is. Shut the phone ringer off. Have a scheduled prayer time. Sit down with your children and pray with them. Have them repeat a prayer after you. Sit down with them and open the Bible and read it to them. And when you come across a prayer passage, talk to them about it. How did that person pray? What's that mean for us in our prayer lives? How does that affect your life at school or at home or if they're old enough at work? 
teach prayer in your family. And finally, men, I'd like for you to take a look at 1 Peter chapter 3 and verse 7. 1 Peter chapter 3 and verse 7. Husbands, likewise dwell with them, that is, with your wives, with understanding, giving honor to the wife as to the weaker vessel, and as being heirs together of the grace of life, that your prayers may not be hindered. Men, if we are not living with our wives in an understanding way, if we are not honoring them, if we're not serving them, putting them up on the pedestal, do not think that any of your prayers get any further than your attic. Because this passage says that when we are not being the husbands and the fathers that we are supposed to be, our prayers are hindered. And if you are allowing bitterness and resentment to dwell in your home, if you are not living as you ought to as husbands and fathers, do not think that any of your prayer leadership is going to do a bit of good because your wife and your children can see right straight through to your hypocrisy and your leadership will fall flat. If you are going to be a prayer leader, you've got to start by being the husband and father that you are supposed to be. Quit reading the Bible at your wife and children and start reading it for yourself and start doing it. And then pray and lead them in prayer. That's our job, men. Wives. It's a lot easier for me to talk to the husbands because I'm one of them and I'm right there with them. I've done all that bad stuff. It's a lot harder to talk to you wives because I've never been one of you and I don't know what it's like being one of you. But the Bible does say some things about you as part of this prayer family. Wives, your job, if it ever shows up on the screen, is to be a prayer partner. Proverbs chapter 14 and verse 1 is so powerful. Proverbs chapter 14 and verse 1. The wise woman builds her house, but the foolish pulls it down with her hands. Doesn't leave anything in between, does it? It's one or the other. You're either building your house or you are pulling it down with your very own hands. Now remember what Psalm 127 and verse 1 said? Unless the Lord builds the house, they labor in vain who build it. What that means is, wives, as you're striving to build your house, unless you're bringing God on in, into the scene, you are tearing your house down with your very own hands. It's amazing. It's amazing because I know. I've seen you at it. Some of you ladies will do just amazing things for your family. You will work countless hours to help provide materially for your families. And then you will come home and you will cook and you will clean. You will chauffeur your kids to various and sundry events all week long. You will wash and iron the clothes. You will clean the house. 
You burn the candle at both ends every night to provide and help your family. My question for you is how many of you are making any of that worthwhile by praying? Because you are either building your house up or you are tearing it down. And unless the Lord builds the house, everything you're doing is vain. I mean, Psalm 127.1 really hits the nail on the head there, didn't it? It's vain for you to rise up early. Moms, how many of you rise up early? It's vain for you to stay up late. Wives, how many of you sit up late? And he says, unless the Lord's building the house, that's all vain. Are you praying and bringing the Lord into your families? Here's the big problem that we have. Our society... Is trying, and, and Satan is behind this, is trying to get rid of the idea that we are a family. Husbands and wives, fathers and mothers and children, we are a family. Instead, what we are hearing these days is that we're in competition. What we are finding is in our society is that men and women are now competing with one another, and regrettably that's making its way into the home. And husbands and wives are now competing with one another. And so they both come home from work, or maybe one of them's not working. One comes home from work and one's been home all day long dealing with the kids. And the competition begins. Who does more? Who makes more? Who adds more? Who sacrifices more? Who has the toughest time? And we're competing and trying to outdo one another. And it's all about demonstrating which one of us is best and better and which one provides more. And Satan is behind this because you realize, wives, that when Satan can get the Lord's platoon infighting, then we can't attack him or defend ourselves against him. Because when husbands and wives are competing, the enemy is no longer Satan out there. The enemy is this person I'm sleeping with. And how many times do we take a look at that person sitting across the table and think, that's the enemy? Matthew 5.44 speaks to you when that's the case. You know what Matthew 5.44 says, don't you? But I say to you, love your enemies. Bless those who curse you. Do good to those who hate you. Pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you, unless it's your husband. Is that what yours says? That last phrase isn't in there, is it? If your husband's become the enemy, the Scripture's still clear. You've got to pray for him anyway. But wouldn't it be so much easier if he wasn't the enemy, if it was a team? We're a family and we're on the same side. Wives, I know this is hard. I know this is hard for you because I know that most of you are married to men who do not view the family as a team. Most of you are married to men who believe that you and your children are a support system to help him accomplish all of his individual goals and desires. I know most of you are married to that kind of man. We're going to work on him a little bit. But in that situation, why don't you begin the partnering and the team building? and the family unity by praying with 
and for your husband. Pray for him. Pray for him that you can be the wife you ought to be. Pray for him that he can overcome the weaknesses that he has. Find things about which you can be thankful. A lot of you wives, you know that you've got good husbands, don't you? There are some things you don't like. Spend more time in your prayers thanking God for the things that are praiseworthy in your husband than you spend complaining about the things that are bad. Some of you may be, may be married to, to men that are just louses and you can't think of much. Find something. It makes you think of the story that I once heard. There's this one preacher who just had a reputation in his congregation that he could always, always, always find something to be thankful for. Every time they gathered together, he could find something to be thankful for. And he would lead the congregation in prayer and thank God. And one Sunday they gathered together. It was miserable. It was cold. Half the people couldn't even show up. The weather was so bad. Everything was bad. The community was in a downturn economically. Everything looked terrible. It was just, it was just bad. Things were just bad. And everybody just thought as the preacher trudged up to the lectern and said, what's he going to pray for today? Surely even he can't find anything thankful today. And he got up and he stood behind the lectern. And he leaned over and he said, God, I thank you that every day is not like this one. Find something and thank God for it about your husband. And then work to find something else. And for your children, I know there are days when it's tough to thank God for your children. I know it. But find things. Before I move off of talking to you wives... We need to look at 1 Peter 3. Let's begin at verse 3 and verse 4. Do not let your adornment be merely outward. 1 Peter 3 and verse 3. Do not let your adornment be merely outward, arranging the hair, wearing gold, or putting on fine apparel. Rather, let it be the hidden person of the heart with the incorruptible beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit which is very precious in the sight of God. If you are going to be a praying warrior in your home, you've got to live by this verse. What this passage demonstrates is that you must not allow the world and all its fancy finery and luxuries to govern what you think you're supposed to be doing as a wife. All those things you see on the covers of the magazines as you walk out of the checkout line, that's not the picture of a praying warrior wife. If you want to be a praying warrior in your family, you've got to submit to God. This passage does not say that you've got to change your personality but what it does say is you've got to change your mindset and your outlook and what is important to God has to become important to you. What God values, you have to value. What God wants, you have to want. What God thinks, you have to think. I know that's a growth process. That's what you need to be working toward. And that's what all of us need to be working toward. And please understand, this really applies to everybody. Whoever is praying, this is the key to effective prayer. I've got to want what God wants. I've got to value what God values. And wives, when you're a prayer partner in your family living by these, this passage, 
God will use your family. And I believe He'll do it even if you're one of the wives that has to deal with a husband who will not be the prayer leader. 1 Peter chapter 3, beginning at verse 1, Wives, likewise be submissive to your own husbands, that even if some do not obey the word, they without a word may be won by the conduct of their wives, when they observe your chaste conduct accompanied by fear. If your husband refuses to be a prayer leader, and let's face it, we know among men, even among Christian men, some get so caught up in their material pursuits that they allow spirituality to slip from themselves and from their families. You've got to carry on as the prayer partner. And you're going to have to teach your children to pray. Pray with them. Pray with them for their daddy. Don't berate and belittle their father in front of them. Don't berate and belittle their father anyway. But don't berate and belittle their father in front of them. Don't use the prayers to berate and belittle them. Dear God, please be with my beer-drinking, wage-wasting, sorry, louse husband that he'll quit doing all these bad things and be what we want. Don't do that. You might have to teach your children to pray that their father would overcome some weaknesses, but they need to always do it in honor. Teach them to submit to their father, but teach them that they have to submit to their heavenly father above their earthly father. But pray with them, pray for them, and teach them to pray for their daddy. And then be willing to be a part of the answer to those prayers helping him become what he ought to be instead of constantly complaining and nagging and bickering that he's not. Children. Your job in the house is to be obeying prayers. Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 1, begins a discussion of your responsibility at home. It says in Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 1, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise, that it may be well with you and you may live long on the earth. This is your job, to obey your parents, to honor your parents. And when you pray, that is where you need to focus. God, help me obey. Honor them in your prayers. Thank God for them. Do not believe that you're a child and so you don't have to pray. Please do not wait until you graduate and move out and begin your own life to begin your prayer life. Begin right now. And you need to start by praying for your parents. Thank God for them. I know there's some things they do that you don't like, but did you eat yesterday? Who made that meal? Do you have a house to live in? Who pays for that? Are you wearing clothes this morning? I don't see a naked child among us. Who bought those clothes? Thank God for your parents. And pray that God would be with them. I'll tell you one thing. Don't pray selfishly, but pray for your parents as they're trying to raise you because you know what? They believe that their hardest job in the world is being your mom or your dad. I know that because I'm one and that's what I think is my hardest job in the world. And they don't think they're doing a very good job at it. And it scares them to death. 
Am I right about that, parents? Pray for your parents, because we need it. You need to pray, no matter how old you are. And let me say something to the parents. Parents, the fact is our children didn't come out of the womb knowing this. Where are they going to learn it? They're going to learn it from us. One of the saddest things we do today is segregate our children off because they're age. And we gather together at somebody's house for a group meeting or a Bible study or for a singing or a prayer, and what do we let the kids do? Why, this is adult stuff in this room. They get to go up to the kids' room and play with Tonka toys. Maybe with the three and four-year-olds, that's okay. I'm not, I'm not going to make rules for you. But what kills me is some child about 12 or 13 years old gets baptized, and next week they go to a singing, and guess what we do with them too? They're still off playing. They're a Christian now. If they are old enough to go under the water and become a child of God, then they're old enough to sit with Christians and pray and study God's Word and sing praises to them. Don't segregate them off like they don't get to start doing that till they're adults. And children, especially if you're Christians, even if your parents forget about this lesson and not think about it, and they say you can go off and pray, go off and play, you say, Mom and Dad, can I stay in here with you all and pray and study? Because I'm a Christian now. Look in Proverbs. Chapter 3, verse 1. My son, the proverbialist is writing to his son. He says, Do not forget my law, but let your heart keep my commands. For length of days and long life and peace they will add to you. Let not mercy and truth forsake you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. And so find favor and high esteem in the sight of God and man. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him, and He shall direct your paths. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and depart from evil. It will be health to your flesh and strength to your bones. Honor the Lord with your possessions and with the first fruits of all your increase, so your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will overflow with new wine. My son, do not despise the chasing of the Lord, nor detest His correction. For whom the Lord loves, He corrects, just as the Father, the Son, in whom He delights. Solomon, writing to his son, says, here's how you relate to the Lord God. And he talks about accepting the discipline. He talks about keeping the teaching and binding that around your neck. But then in verse 5 and following, he talks about things that specifically apply, children, to your prayer lives. First of all, he says, trust in the Lord. Probably even at your young age, you've already learned that people are fickle, sometimes even your parents. And you can't always trust the folks in your life, but you can always trust God. God will always do what is right. God will always do what will help you get to heaven if you trust Him, if you lean on Him, if you pray. He says, acknowledge God in all your ways. You are breathing right now. Do you know why that is, children? Because God is letting you. You ate breakfast this morning, or if you skipped it, you had supper yesterday. Do you know who really gave you that food? God gave you that acknowledge Him. Every ability you have, every gift you have, every good grade that you get, do you know why that is? Because God has given you that. If you're good at baseball, it's because God has given you that ability. Acknowledge Him in all 
your ways and do not be wise in your own eyes. How easy that is for young people, especially when you get up into the teenage years, you begin to look at mom and dad and let's face it, they just don't understand. We know that they don't get it. They were born hundreds of years ago and the world was different now and they don't understand what life is like for us, do they? I know you're not going to admit it because mom and dad's sitting right next to you, but I know that's what you think. And all these folks that are sitting around us that are always so nice with all their gray and bald heads, they just don't understand. It's so easy for us to think that we've got life figured out. But the proverbialist says, don't be wise in your own eyes. Trust God. Acknowledge Him. Humble yourself before Him in prayer. That's been a little longer. Probably shouldn't have told you. I hope that was just so amazingly entertaining you didn't even know. It's not about entertaining. It's probably the longest one because that's, I think, the most important. The key for us in this nation is not you as an individual, and it's probably not this congregation. It is the family. And if we can get this one right, we can get the rest of it right. This brings us full circle back to Psalm 127 and verse 1. Unless the Lord builds the house, they labor in vain who build it. If we don't get this one right, everything else doesn't matter. Remember Ephesians 3.20. God who can do exceedingly, abundantly, above all we ask or think. He can do that through your family if you're plugged in. Is the Lord building your house? Have you asked Him to? Is your family a praying family? Thank you, Edwin, for that intense examination of our families. Thank you for joining us as we learned about praying families from God's Word. Remember, a praying family is one in which the husband and father is the prayer leader. The wife and mother is a prayer partner and the children are obeying prayers. If you have any questions about prayer or about the Franklin Church of Christ, please feel free to call us at 615-794-2359 or visit us on our website at franklinchurchofchrist.com.